Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 3 Benedict Nail comes to, lying on the floor of his living room, and tries to remember how he got there. He cannot remember anything that could account for him falling asleep on the floor. There was whisky, he remembers going out to buy some, but he rarely drinks in anything but moderation, and he doesn't actually remember having any. There was a phone call with his brother, which, while almost always infuriating, rarely rendered him horizontal. He does remember now that he had successfully talked himself out of the family Christmas video call. Had he been dancing with joy? It seemed unlikely. There had been a present. Now he remembers a present from the woman upstairs, some amateurish carved little decoration. He had unwrapped it and thrown the paper on the floor for the cat, paper that he had then stood on and slipped and fallen. Paper that he was still lying on. Which was odd. It had only been a little carving. It had only been a scrap of paper. How could he be lying on it? How could he feel the gloss finish under his head, his hands, his feet? It wasn't that much paper, surely. It turns out to be hard to stand up on glossy paper, especially when you've had a fall and are feeling unsteady on your feet. He gets up gingerly. His head doesn't hurt, but he does feel strange. No, wait, it's more like he's fine, but everything else is strange. His balance feels off. Perhaps the fall has done something to his inner ear. Perhaps the fall has done something to his eyesight. Everything looks wrong. The perspective is skew-if. The bookshelf looks too far away, like looking down the wrong end of a telescope, while the cat, standing on the rug, looking at him, looks huge, enormous, in fact, and getting bigger. It jumps at him, and he flinches away, slipping again on the shiny wrapping. It looks too big, like a monster, and a massive paw bats at him. It is too big. He scrabbles away across the slippery surface and finds himself suddenly holding onto rough fabric. Chintz, the covering of his armchair. He grabs hold of it, pulling himself up onto the chair. It's harder than it ought to be, his malfunctioning eyesight making it all the harder. The chair seems out of scale, as if he's literally having to climb up into it. He hauls himself up onto the seat, trying to catch his breath. He looks down at the cat on the floor, momentarily distracted by the rustling paper, pouncing on it playfully. He looks down at his feet, dangling off the edge of the chair, his tiny feet. He looks down at the floor that is simply too far away, a floor that stretches out like a wooden plain to the far mountain of sofa and the cliff of bookshelf. He was afraid there for a moment that there was something very wrong with his eyesight. He is now afraid that there isn't. Below him, the giant cat has stopped playing with the bedsheet-sized piece of cheap wrapping paper and is staring up at him. At this moment, Benedict Nail gets a sudden insight into what it might have been like for a lone Stone Age human to be confronted with a saber-toothed cat. Terrifying, as it turns out. 
he suddenly finds that he has no time to try and understand what is going on. He must simply run. He scrambles across the seat, throws himself up the side of a cushion, and from there climbs up onto the top of the chair. The drop down the back is vertiginous and almost, but not quite, as terrifying as the cat. He spiders across the top on all fours, trying hard not to look down, and in one last unthinking leap, pitches himself up onto the mantelpiece. He turns at last to discover that the cat is now watching him from the seat of the chair. Perhaps she has remembered how often he has scolded her for trying to climb up onto the mantelpiece and knock things off. Oh, who is he kidding? She's a cat. Even if she did remember, she wouldn't care. Besides, she's so much bigger than him now. Why should she pay any mind to what he thinks? Perhaps at least it is too full of knick-knacks up here for her to get up. He stands on shaking legs and edges in between a propped-up postcard and a plaster Day of the Dead Mariachi skeleton. Perhaps she'll forget he's here if he just stays still. Stays still, cowering in the shadow of a postcard. She's so much bigger than him, he had thought. But what if... What if she's not bigger? What if he's smaller? What if it's not the perspective that's wrong? What if it's him? He peeks back out, looking at the room beyond. It is a great cavern, a landscape, a country... Below him, the flat plain of the floor, in the distance massing into the heights of furniture, beyond which rise the sheer walls, up to the ceiling like a distant sky. To the left is the window, where he has not yet drawn the curtains, and through it he can see the low winter sun is already setting. The light is fading, and shadows are gathering in the corners of the cavern that is his living room. It makes no sense. This kind of thing doesn't happen especially not to Benedict Nail, the middling, average, cautious Benedict Nail. He is not the kind of man who shrinks. But the alternative is worse. The alternative is that something has happened to his perception. He is not seeing the world aright, or seeing something entirely different, hallucinating, or he has gone mad. But he will not stand for these explanations. These would be faults with him. These would be his problems. And he will not have faults or problems. Those are for other people. And so he is left with only one conclusion, that there is nothing wrong with him, but instead, as he always suspected, something wrong with the world. It has grown. His living room is now grown into a whole world to itself, and he is shrunk down into it, hunted by his own pet, lost among his own mementos. He huddles back under the postcard, pressing against the painted legs of the skeletal guitarist, trying not to look at the room beyond. And then those legs move. Stiffly at first, shaking life into themselves, and then they step back, a bony hand lifting the postcard away, and looming down out of the gathering dusk, a skull like a plaster moon leans down at him and says in a grating voice, Woka! You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. Written by Tobias Sturt 
and read by John Millington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of the Ghosts of Christmas Presents.